0: All right. Welcome, everyone, back to Telecom Radio 1, specifically our IT leadership series, Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And today, we've got Michael Wallace on the show. Very happy to have you on. You've got some great experience. We were talking before the show about how you kind of got started out and got a lot of experience in the U.S. Air Force, man. Why don't we just start there with a good story from, from back in the day and how you got started? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I got... I got started in the Air Force in 2010 and got put at a enterprise help desk to oversee help operations for about 13 different bases. There was a time when we got a ticket in from one of the bases. And this individual, you got to understand that people are only there for about six months or so and then they rotate out. So while they're highly qualified individuals, it does take time to understand the IT systems you're
0: on. Hey, just to clarify though, this is during the war, this is overseas and you've got people that, that what'd you say, like two weeks tenure or, or two months, did you say? What, what's the typical like timeframe?
1: Yeah, they only get about two weeks of training, and they have to manage a lot of important systems for thousands of people on those bases. So while things do get tied over with contractor help, the actual Air Force members don't get a lot of uh, training before they get started. So we had one particular individual, did not realize what permissions they had, and managed to delete the entire user structure or base. Uh, I suspected uh, more more than 1,500 people at the time. Wow. And Hey, they uh, they learned a lesson that day. They gave us a call, and we were able to work with them for a couple of weeks, try to figure out what service accounts got broken. But at the end of the day, uh, no one got punished because we understand. But it was pretty bad.
0: So two and a half weeks of rebuild, constantly dealing with some turnover. How so? They're in the position for so two weeks of training. But how long are they in the position for? Like two months or so, or longer than that? How About long? Six months. Six months, okay. So <laughs> yeah. pretty good preparation for dealing with uh, staff turnover or kind of, I guess you could say, drinking from the fire hose, if that makes sense. But you guys had to coach them through yeah. rebuilding. Basically, you had to rebuild 1,500 users?
1: A little under 1,500 users. We had to get them back on. And that included some service accounts. There were many systems that were broken. Wow.
0: Okay, so that so that was kind of your your training grounds, I guess. You were there for... How long were you in that position for?
1: I was in that position for about about a year and a half, almost two years. Then I moved over to information assurance. I did some compliance work there, and then I went into cyber warfare and operations. Under the Obama administration, they hired in uh, a great deal of security experts in order to train them as uh, cyber war fighters.
0: That's really cool. Now, just since I talk about this a lot, I talk about, you know, do you need an education? Do you need certifications? Yes, you do. I, I think, you know, the majority of the people are going to answer like, yes, it makes a difference. It absolutely helps. But compared to experience, uh, if someone has all the certifications, that have the education, wh- what would you say is more powerful? The, the, the experience of being there, uh, where'd you get the most learning?
1: Yeah, absolutely the experience. You should be using some kind of training or or websites and and keep your skills fresh. You need to be working on this stuff. Yes, you can go to a a, a SANS course or yeah, you can go and get your degree. And that is important to move up in the world. But for the practical day-to-day, you need to keep your experience fresh by working, scripting, looking at the articles, being aware of the security threats that are out there.
0: Excellent. So fast forward uh, X number of years. Uh, you're now the IT security manager at Ruben Brown. Give me just kind of a day-to-day on that. I, I know you have some, you know, red team development, you know, in, experience in your past. You've got, you know, I'm assuming building numerous different policies and stuff. What is it? does your day-to-day look like right now?
1: Day-to-day now is making... Making users aware of the security threats. We combat phishing, and we combat the threat of ransomware. Um, just recently, there are competitors in the accounting field. Uh, TurboTax actually got hit by a ransomware attack. Or actually, no, it was a, it was a there was a data breach. <laughs> Sorry, there was a different one. Uh, there was a data breach for tur- TurboTax recently, and, and this yeah. helped me make aware that yes, we need to be concerned about. These various types of external attacks, but even something, even our small accounting firm, a ransomware attack can actually just wipe us clean. So we really need to keep users aware, keep my leadership aware that when threats like that occur and, and they can occur in an, in an environment such as ours as well.
0: What's your disaster avoidance? I mean, are you guys constantly mirror, mirroring your environment, or what's your kind of disaster avoidance?
1: We absolutely have to back up to a secondary source off site, um, and we perform those backups weekly. Okay, nice.
0: So the end users is always kind of the is always a big turning point. Obviously email phishing is big, social media phishing, hey, I looked at your Facebook page. I noticed you're going that you go to XYZ every weekend and then I can send an email to HR and ask for everyone's w 2 last minute or something like that. What kind of phishing attacks have you seen?
1: So we we see a wide variety of phishing attacks related to, hey, you've got a financial statement waiting for you. A particular threat that's been ha- happening against some of our, our, our leadership will be, I just want to change my direct de- deposit account, something like that. They'll send that to HR and HR is very keen on those kind of requests to make sure that individual is who they say they
0: are. Yeah, <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> change my change my direct deposit to a, a different state and or country. It works. It works sometimes. Yeah, for for other for other
1: situations. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty easy attack that that occurs that um you know people need to be aware
0: of. And then they probably get they might get away with that one time or something. I'm assuming it doesn't go on for months with just direct deposits like going in. They might get a paycheck or something like that.
1: No, yeah, this is this is a
0: spray. You know, they're sending these out hoping they only get get one or two maybe. Yeah, gotcha. So you got the end users. You've got the general security piece. Like, what other kind of silos do you have going on, or what other kinds of what kind of stuff gets thrown thrown at you on a day to day basis? Because I know in the you said somewhere around 250 employees over there. So your day to day must have a fairly significant to do list that can grow randomly at any time. How do you, as a you know IT security professional, deal with that?
1: So we use various team collaboration softwares. We we have uh, like Microsoft Teams, and we will be working with situations uh, like multi-factor authentication. Finding applications in the environment that we can enable that on safely. Finding areas where we can create single sign-on. There are various different you know, different accounting applications that we use, so we want to try to figure out ways so that users don't have to remember so many passwords.
0: Mm. Okay, so and are you able to measure? Where are you measuring results? What are you tracking? What are you? I mean, are there any results or anything that you're tracking to show that your department is not just a cost center and that you guys are actually a revenue generator and trying to, you know, drive revenue and time management that type of stuff throughout the organization?
1: Yeah, well, we utilize vulnerability scanning tools. Nessus comes to mind. That's a pretty popular one from Tenable, and and they they'll scan, and we can. Re- Trending for reduced vulnerabilities from patching. We also run monthly phishing tests. We use TechGuard, so there's a there's a, um, a phishing suite called FishProof uh, um, yeah. that will allow us to simulate and recreate some of the emails that we use, that we get. Some phishing emails that we get in, we can actually uh, package those back up and modify them and send those out. We send those on like a monthly basis to test users which has been highly effective in reducing from about 760 plus. We had about 23 at, at one point had clicked. Now that's down to seven, seven mm-hmm. to nine. Um, so that was a, a significant reduction. We want to get that closer to maybe
0: only one or zero, preferably. Oh, That's really cool. Okay, so I guess that brings up a couple questions. Number one, how do you communicate with your end users? I'm assuming they don't know this is happening. First, you just do it. Number two, how do you have that conversation after they do click? Right
1: now, it'll actually... We can set it up so that if they do click on the link, it'll bring them to a custom page that we've built. And if they put in their uh, username or password or whatever the fake page we've created at that time, then, we, then they get that notification like, hey, not only did you click on this link, you actually possibly put in information. Now, we don't actually take their... <laughs> credentials or any information, but what we do do is we reach out to that team member privately and say, hey, just to let you know, here are the signs in the email that you probably should have noticed. So we actually try to make it into a learning experience, not any kind of uh, accusatory manner.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you got 750 people, it's it's absolutely going to happen. Um, yeah. I just wondering if you ever have those, uh, you know, what those coaching conversations look like if you've ever had a one-on-one with anyone.
1: Uh yeah, um we had we I had a one-on-one with an individual who felt that the the test was unfair. Um but you know, once you sit down and you actually point out the different scenarios be it, you know, yeah, you can have spelling errors. I don't like to include spelling errors in the email. I like to include where hey, the email said it was from this person but it was actually from this other person. Something a little more realistic. Nowadays, you don't get as many of these misspelled type phishing emails or or they do occur, but you really need to be aware of the well done ones that are imitating someone else pretty convincingly and how to check for that.
0: Where was the email coming from and, and what were they supposed to see?
1: Uh, the email pretended to come from uh, the chief information officer. We made it look like it was coming from them, but it was actually slightly misspelled off, and it used a different. Uh, it used a Gmail account was was coming from, but it had his name. So they 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 just thought it was unfair because oh well no one would know who that is. Like absolutely they would know who that individual is. They can find that person online. They can look up on LinkedIn. They will they will be able to imitate exactly who this person is. So they needed to be aware of that.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, so that's a good, uh, that's kind of a good conflict that you would have with an end user. Obviously we, you've got all kinds of people in the organization. You got know, all people are going to take things a different way. Um, it's just how it is. That's the reality. Um, I remember yeah. managing a large staff back in the day and coaching conversations could be painful, uh, easy, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, about accountability and uh, having those tough conversations sometimes. So that's great. Um, that you guys are having exactly um, outstanding. So uh, let's see where else. So so last question here because we we could talk all day. You get one of the things that I, I'm in vendor management, so I have people calling me all day long trying to get me to hey, can you showcase this product or that product? Blah blah blah. I don't even take that on to be honest with you because the amount of products right now. Are, there's so many in the uh, consequences uh, are, are so high, you know, the research alone or, t- or vendor research alone, how do you even tackle the vendor research? Cause I know how to do it from a voice and data perspective, co-location perspective, you know, like a WAN perspective. And I mean, I, I have great security engineers that I could go to if I really wanted to sell, you know, email phishing software or something like that. But how do you differentiate between all those security vendors? It's challenging. We will go out and try to
1: be in the community. We, we go to conferences and we try to see the vendor demos that come up there. But really, we try to first, we try to identify a need. The vendors uh, will always send out something that says, hey, I can solve this problem or I can solve that problem. And that may or may not be a problem in your particular organization. But first, you need to identify a need such as uh, we need to manage privileged accounts, something like that. So then we will look out, see if there, are, there will always be vendors that are helping in that space, and then we'll, we'll pick three, and then we'll try to we'll do a demo with, with them and try to figure out which ones are beneficial to us. But we, yeah, there's too many to go through all of them. So first we identify a need, and then we figure out which, what, what that need is
0: trying yes. to be filled. Sounds very similar to my methodology, except then obviously putting in some sort of proof of concept proving it exactly checking financial backgrounds where the company's going xyz hey so one last thing if you had one best practice or one trick or anything that you might do that's like unique and easy to implement that people might just not think of is there anything that you can share with anyone listening to the show that they can just take that and run with it and be like hey yeah this this is easy i can do this and this is a nice little trick that i can just implement and, and never forget
1: yeah so what we do do is sometimes we'll, we'll talk to the... We'll just sit down and have a, a quarterly discussion with the department heads, if you can. And we just ask their perspective on, well, what keeps you up at night? And you know what security concerns do you have? Um, we, over in the security department, we, we have our own idea of what, what is important. But sometimes uh, they actually point out some stuff to us um, that we didn't realize certain applications, certain uh, accounting software that they might be utilizing, certain practices that they're taking, um, they bring that up to us and it it does help put in perspective like, hey, I didn't know that you shared X information with Y person. Um, That could be something that we need to take a look at. So Mm. just talking to the people using the applications and services uh, on a daily basis can be really beneficial. We try to sit down and talk with them at least quarterly.
0: Cool. So is that department head meeting... At the office? Is it in a boardroom? Is it everyone at one time? Is it like a half hour long, an hour long, or there's no time limit and we're kind of like whiteboarding stuff and parking lotting stuff? How does that kind of, just give me kind of a general idea of how that works. It's very, it, it's very informal. It's, it's,
1: I'll, I'll head over to a particular area and just sit down and, and, and chat. And just say, Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm, I'm over in information security. I just want to talk with you about some of your applications and services that you got. Um, it might be most of the time less than 30 minutes.
0: Okay. Excellent. Um, well, Hey, you know, Michael, Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. It's been a pleasure. I'd love to dig in and hear some uh, classified stories, which I know you can't tell. um, But, you know, that's for another time when it becomes unclassified, okay? Um, I hope you have a great day, man. Thanks for being on the show. Great. Thank you, Phil.